We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. to solo ship week 15 it's the fantasy football playoffs uh this uh, daily fantasy sports live final championship season uh jam i'm, I'm pro, pro jam jam to win how you doing how was last week live final championship season how was that last weekend yeah <laughs> so so yeah so we should we should address it i had i had six entries in the FanDuel live final it was more than anyone uh, but I did not do as well as I was hoping, but yeah, which is okay. It wasn't my week. I lost to a, a super sharp player to the first place, and he had five lineups out of, out of the 80. Um, he's a guy I've, I've known for a few years now. Actually, we found out a few years ago we went to college together. We didn't know each other. Anymore. Oh, wild. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, you so, got another another live final this, this weekend, though, right, DraftKings? It is. So this weekend is the DraftKings live final. I've got two out of 100 entries, or two out of 200 entries. Okay. $2.5 million to first place. So that means, yeah, there's a 1% chance I will not be here next week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we'll count on me, me being here. And, you know, the best, the best prep that I can do, I think, is talking over football with you. So I'm looking I like it. I want to, I want to shout out too. you uh, gave me an invite to that uh, live final, which if it were, if it were anywhere 
other than New Orleans, which is like the longest possible flight for me the week before Christmas, uh, I would have taken you up on that. It's been a while since I've chased qualifiers. It's been a while since I've been in a live final, but I kind of missed that scene. So, uh, but like I said to you, maybe next year I'll, uh, I'll start playing and join you there. Um, I had a good week. We should have talked uh, heading into the weekend. I had a uh, great weekend last weekend. I actually had um, that third Jerry Judy touchdown, like cut my winnings in half, but um, still a really profitable week, uh, like 40 K last weekend and uh, hopefully run that back again this weekend. And um, yeah, I like this slate. You know, what's interesting is we talked last week about it being a 10 game slate that felt smaller than 10 games. And you, you likened it to the Thanksgiving slate. You're like, it kind of feels like a three game slate. And I, what I like about those weeks and this week's kind of similar is that the, our competition's bad at like narrowing down the best plays, right? So on the weeks when there's like a lot of best plays and there's all these different combos you can put together of best plays, they tend to be able to find their way to like the field as a whole finds its way to combos of great plays. But on weeks where there's not a lot of great plays, I feel like it gives us an edge just in terms of identifying the better plays than everybody else. Last week, and obviously, uh, like I, it's interesting, FanDuel pricing has actually become tighter because FanDuel adjusts more quickly, which usually that means they're more reactive, which means that it's worse pricing. But DraftKings has been really slow to react to some key situations, right? Like uh, I wrote this up this morning, Chris Godwin has topped like 19.2 DraftKings points once all season and he's 6,700, right? And yet people still roster him at a pretty high clip or uh, CeeDee Lamb has topped... 22.7 points once all season and he's over 7k and he's rostered at a pretty high clip uh so i think that this like the setup that we're at right now is actually going to be better for you on DraftKings than on FanDuel. um and one of the things i did last week was i just like made a list of who can score 35 plus points and it was such a small list of players that it was like miles sanders was the only kind of inexpensive guy uh, and then it was, of course, Jerry Judy got close to that, but that was like an outlier outcome. The other guys were Amon Ross, St. Brown, Justin Jefferson, and Jamar Chase. And so my whole thing last week was like, how do I fit these four guys onto a roster together uh, with like maximum upside in other spots right? without sacrificing upside, but just um, make sure that I'm getting these guys. And this is another week where I just don't think there's a lot of 30 pointers available. And so it's almost like, well, let's just focus on getting the 30 pointers first and then move on from there. That, that's how I'm seeing this slate. Uh, we're recording this on Thursday, but you have any thoughts uh, along those lines or anything you're seeing similarly, differently this week? Pretty, pretty similar thoughts. I, it is, we're, we're recording on Thursday and that's significant. Last week we recorded on Thursday as well. We usually record on Fridays. And last week I actually thought we got a big break with the injury news because there really wasn't that much injury news, even on Thursday. We right, right. Who was going to play. I think the Seattle running back situation was the only question we really had. Uh, this week, we're not getting that break. <laughs> we don't really know. There's a lot of injury news up in the air on recording on Thursday, but obviously we still do know like game environments and, and totals. And we know we have the, the team's performance on offense and defense all, all season. Um, and so it, it is interesting. It's, it's an ugly slate. Uh, there's no games over 50. Like last week, I think we had the Detroit Minnesota game. Right. This week, we don't have that. It's uh, no games over 50. There's two games over 48, but they have a, a nine point spread and a 14 point spread. So that's maybe a place you still want to go, but maybe not like that could drive you off that those environments. Then, then we have one game at 47 and a half, which is Dallas and Jacksonville. And then one game at 46 and a half, which is Tennessee and the chargers. And actually one of the first things that jumped out of me on the slate was thinking about the Tennessee passing defense that last week, you know, we, we kind of talked about it on the show is, is, you know, Tennessee's had a very attackable passing defense all, all season. 
um, and they give up a lot of receptions, but they also have a fairly decent defense overall. Um, but Trevor Lawrence went out and had a monster game. And I was actually looking through the, you know, the, the results of the live final. And I think the, the top six teams had four different quarterbacks, which I thought was really interesting. Interesting. Yeah. yeah and I, I'm actually, when I go through it, even like Millie Makers, con- contest is larger than Millie Maker. Scrolling through the top 10, I'm always surprised how you can find different quarterbacks there. And that, you know, we fixate kind of so much. And even like with six entries, I was like fixated on like what quarterbacks am I going to play? Oftentimes it doesn't matter. Like you, you can still, you know, as long as you're finding the right game environment, sometimes it's playing this quarterback with a, a game stack from a different game. Um, but, you know, you're still pairing your quarterback with a wide receiver from his game and a, and a run back, you know, that uh, sometimes those are the winning lineups. Uh, and like one of the first quarterbacks jumped out of me was Justin Herbert, just because I, I don't think we highly owned, but, you know, Trevor Lawrence had a massive game last week against Tennessee passing defense. Um, and they've been giving up yards in all, all season. So, and I feel like the Chargers would like to pass the ball through Herbert. Yeah, I mean, Chargers are like top of the league in pass play rate. They don't run the ball anyway. Teams don't run the ball against Tennessee. Uh, I kind of disagree with you on the thought that they'll be, this is part of the drawback of recording on Thursday, right? Is like, we don't have clear ownership projections, whereas by the time people are watching this, they will. But I actually expect Herbert to be popular this week. I expect the Chargers passing attack to be popular this week. Because I think that the recency bias of what the Jags just did to the t- to the Titans and then the fact that the Chargers are healthy, like I think that it's just a very natural spot for people to go to. Uh, today, like the NFL Edge is starting to roll onto the site. And in the Bengals and Buccaneers game, uh, Mike Johnson wrote up that game and pointed out that the Bengals or that the Bucs had only allowed three teams all season to top 23 points, right? And yet when you come over to the Titans game, you, that's not the thought, right? It's not like, oh, the Titans have only allowed three teams to top 22 points because it just happened last week, right? But the Titans have still only allowed the, the Jags, the Bills, and the Eagles to top 22 points. And then it's like, yeah, but this is the Chargers. Yeah, but the Chargers have, what, I think they've topped 25 points once all season, right? Like, they're not the Chargers that we think of them being. Uh, and, and it kind of reminds me a little bit of last week where you think of the Dallas offense as being really good. You think of the Houston defense as being really bad. But, like, Dallas offense is 15th in DVOA, Houston defense is 20th in DVOA, right? It's not like a huge edge there. And it's kind of similar here where it's like the the Chargers are middle of the pack in offensive DVOA. In fact, I think they might be like 24th or something at this point in offensive DVOA. Like they're not this explosive offense or haven't been this year. I do think that this is probably the best setup they've had all season. I think it's a really attractive game. But I also think that the, I think that ownership will swing here. And that makes it interesting, like, if ownership swings here, it's swinging away from Burrow against Tampa Bay. If ownership swings here, it's swinging away from Patrick Mahomes against Houston. And we've seen this argument before of like, well, the Chiefs are favored by so much that there's these blowout concerns or whatever. And then like Mahomes and Kelsey go up and put up 35 points in the first half. So I, I do see this as like, to me, the, the tiers for me of where I'm interested at, at quarterback right now are Mahomes and Hurts um Mike White as a way to like open up salary and do things differently um and then Joe Burrow and then like right below that Herbert like Burrow's fourth Herbert's fifth for me and mostly like part of its strategy thinking like if if I'm wrong on the ownership then Herbert will jump up for me but I kind of think Herbert's going to be overowned um interestingly I'll, I'll throw this out there too interestingly like Herbert and Burrow 
Uh, Burrow has, I think, six more passing touchdowns. But other than that, their numbers are pretty similar. But another big gap is Burrow has five rushing touchdowns, whereas Herbert has none. And that's not something people really think of, right, is like Burrow's going to run in some touchdowns. But Burrow's over 200 rushing yards in the season. He's got five rushing touchdowns. Uh, that's something that they use closer to the goal line, whereas the Chargers really don't. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a few edges in going other directions, but I do think that Burrow, I mean, I do think Herbert will have a really nice game here. I think that the, it's like, you're not going to get killed by playing Herbert, but I do wonder if there's ways to move past the Herbert rosters, like especially spending a little bit more on, on Mahomes or Hertz. Um, what about Hertz? I mean, those, those running quarterbacks are your thing, right? Hertz yeah. against this really bad Chicago run defense. Yeah, exactly. So that's, that's like probably the second quarterback that, that where I'm like, what is this guy's price? Right. Like I, you're opening up the app and you want to see, like you've got big lineups going to do this this weekend. And there's already guys like popping into my head in those few seconds where I'm waiting. I'm well, Justin Herbert against Tennessee and like Jalen hurts against anyone. And it's, Oh, he's playing Chicago. Uh, yeah. So he is, yeah, that's, he's the most expensive and that's tough. Um, it's tough to often you know, pay up for quarterback, especially on, on DraftKings because the discrepancy in quarterback prices can be much larger than on FanDuel. But that, yeah, Jalen Hurts is the first guy. It, it's funny, you mentioned re recency bias. And as I was saying the thing about, about the Chargers, and I'm saying, well, and last week, it's like, <laughs> it's there, and I'm like, ooh, I, I, it is. But, but it is, you know, it's a, a season-long thing with the Tennessee pass defense, you know, all season. Um, yeah, Jalen Hurts is somebody I'm definitely interested in, and whether or not I roster him is just going to come down to what else I can find on my roster. Like, yeah. if, if I can find savings that I feel comfortable with in other places, and yeah, Jalen Hurts is going to be one of the first guys on my list. Um, two other guys that you didn't mention that I have some passing interest in that I'm going to at least look up and think about. Um, Justin Fields in the same game, um, Chicago and Philadelphia. I do feel like one of the things about Russian quarterbacks is they can put up points in, in ways we don't necessarily expect, and it isn't necessarily reflected in the game totals um, because their rushing yards count more and their rushing touchdowns count more than passing touchdowns. Um, so for the same NFL points, they're getting more fantasy points. And I'm wondering if Fields is a possibility. Like if I had a bunch of rosters, I would be settling in right now on the idea. I'm probably going to play at least one Justin Fields. I have two, so I don't know if I'm going to be playing, you know, Justin Fields lineup. Um, but he, I don't know, I think for a single entry, he will be somebody that's interesting because he can put up points we don't necessarily expect and aren't necessarily predicted by the field. Um, and then the other guy is Mac Jones, which is a little weird. Yeah, um, yeah. He's, he's, he's on my he's on my list. He's like on my definitely mix him into large field list. Yeah. Um, because so, yeah, people don't people don't think about him. Um, if Damian Harris is the running back, which it's trending that way, then that's fewer like short area passes to him. Uh, probably no Jacoby Myers either. And so you've got Bourne and Thornton and Aguilar who uh, Bourne's not a speed guy, but he can hit for big plays and Aguilar and Thornton are speed guys. Like, yeah, it certainly opens up some interesting things there on a guy that literally nobody will be playing. And what, like he's, I don't know if he's top like 13 DraftKings points this year, but we saw him post a couple big games last year. Uh, I think that's a really interesting one. Yeah. And I, I the Raiders have looked terrible and I, I don't want to, Give them. I think every time I've said this organization seems like they're in total chaos, they go in and then they have a massive like emotional game and, and pull up a, a win. <laughs> they're um, listening to and, your to your shows, right? They're like <laughs> Squirrel Patrol is down on us this week. <laughs> I almost did <laughs> Houston last week and said like they just seem you know seventeen points spread. This Houston team, you know, <laughs> like they're in total chaos. 
Um, almost said it, and they almost pulled out the win. Uh, but yeah, the Raiders, Raiders defense, yes, particularly the pass defense, hasn't been anything to, to shy away from all season. Mac Jones is only five thousand on DraftKings, and yeah, if they don't have their their top running back, then it's even more appealing uh, to go there. So we'll, we'll see. And but you know, the, there's you know other positions in our roster, um, and so you know it's good thinking about the the game environments. We just there are a lot of question marks at at both running back and wide receiver. Um, I'll say the guy we currently have as the highest projected owned wide receiver on DraftKings is Chris Moore, who I made fun of. Not, I didn't even mention his name, I think, last week. I just said we can't name anybody on the, the Houston offense other than Damian Pierce, Brandon Cooks, and Nico Collins. Chris Moore went out there and had a huge game, and now Damian Pierce is, is maybe unlikely to play. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, let's be realistic, though. Like, talent-wise – we would all agree that Nico Collins and Brandon Cooks are better wide receivers than Chris Moore, you know? And uh, by the way, Brandon Cooks did practice today as well. That could mean that he plays and he's only 4,900, but like, I like Chris Moore this week. I had him, I didn't play him on my single entry stuff last week because I didn't know, like, basically I felt there was higher certainty in other spots. I played Chigo Conquo on my main build. I played David Njoku on my main build. It was like, these were better ways in my mind to save salary where you get a similar ceiling, but more certainty on like the targets, the upside, all that. Uh, Chris Moore, like, it would be it would be far likelier to, for him to have like a six catch for seventy yard game, or you know five for fifty five or something like that, than another ten for one twenty four game, right? And I think that the field is going to look at his price tag and just be like, oh, this guy blew up last week. But it's like the context of how he blew up. He got the hundred yard bonus. He got these extra catches. Um, I like Chris Moore this week, but he's a guy like he's one of those guys who there's like a near zero percent chance I'll play him on my main build because it's like his chances of burying me are way like he hit last week. And so everybody thinks of him as like a guy who can bury you and he is, but his chances of burying you are so much lower than the field is going to perceive it to be. Um, I really, I kind of like this week because like there's a single entry show, but we, we kind of go pretty broad with our topics and discussion. But since you're playing this live final with two entries, like it makes it a very interesting discussion more specifically like single entry, right? Uh, I want to circle back to the quarterback thing real quickly and just say, I, I think, and this is what, like, I would see this with Cubs fan all the time where, you know, he had like over 30 live final appearances and then would, oh, he would do poorly at most of these live finals and he would take like these long shot plays. And I would always think like, like if you play the, and I, I guess you don't really play the game changer, right. But you play like small field qualifiers. So similar mindset type stuff, but like in the game changer, my thinking is always like, what's the, fewest things I need to get right to get to like 200 plus points and then recognize that typically my roster is going to be put together differently than other people. Right. So like last week it was, it was um, Jared Goff at quarterback and James Cook was one of my running backs and then made sure I had Miles Sanders, Amon Ross, St. Brown, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, which is like all popular players. Well, not Miles Sanders, but the other three popular players, but like that structure is so unique, right? That most people aren't going to have those three top wide receivers together um, and then the double tight end with Chigo Conquo and David Njoku, uh, Panthers defense to, to fit it all in, uh, ended up finishing third in the, in the game changer out of, you know, like 338 rosters or whatever. And it's not like, like I took no real risks on it, right? It was just like, here's really high certainty bets and I'm piecing it together in ways that other people won't. And I think that in these smaller field single entries, which is like what the 200 entry, uh, DraftKings live final would technically be like in these smaller field single entries, like those high certainty bets, I think just have so much 
value. And I, I was thinking about that when you brought up Justin Fields, because Fields is a guy I'll play a little bit of in large field, but I also like, I can look at this matchup and I can look at Chase Claypool's banged up. They don't have Darnell Mooney uh, and Fields over for, for passing yards or, or his prop for passing yards open at like 176.5 has dropped to like 162.5 or something. Um, so it's like, he's got to do so much on the ground and how do you finish drives with touchdowns if you're not moving the field, right? Uh, and I kind of like, to me, I think that that's one of the edges in these smaller field single entries is people go way too conservative or they swing like too far in the other direction, right? And I feel like you kind of find that middle ground of like high certainty, high upside ends up giving you a big edge. Um, so just a thought I want to throw you away. Uh, Miles Sanders, if you don't go Jalen Hurts, he's a guy like literally nobody ever plays him. I think we talked about him on the show last week. Um, like he has the same stats as Dalvin Cook. Basically, everybody plays Dalvin Cook at a higher price. Nobody plays Miles Sanders. Uh, like second, second, third best running back matchup in the NFL, which obviously helps hurts a ton as well. We saw it against Green Bay. But um, any thoughts on Miles Sanders as a as a hey, if I don't play Jalen Hurts, you could even go like one roster Jalen Hurts, one roster Miles Sanders, and just be like some way the Eagles are scoring points and it's probably coming on the ground here. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Right. He, Miles Sanders was a guy that I, I liked earlier in the season. I, I played a lot of him earlier in the season than I did later in the season. I don't really have an explanation other than it does seem like you're constantly seeing Boston Scott and Kenneth Gainwell, right? Like anytime you watch an Eagles game, it's like, oh, that's a great run by Sanders. Like, oh no, that's, that's one of the other. <laughs> um, and I, I love the idea of, of mixing that, right? Like ha- playing a Hurts roster and, and playing Miles Sanders roster or like just playing Miles Sanders. If, if I feel like Jalen Hurts is going to be very highly owned. Um, this game and with the Eagles playoff positioning, the guy that, the thing that, worries me a little bit with both Hertz and Sanders is the idea that if the Eagles are up after three quarters, they might pull, start pulling people. And I've, I've actually kind of noticed and it's, it's anecdotal and that can burn you like, watching the games can burn you sometimes because things stick out in your mind when they shouldn't, but it, it seems like Philadelphia actually pulls their guys a little bit earlier. And that's, yeah. I think that's yeah. going to happen more as the season 
And I'll say, like from my perspective, I would, I would, I would say that I feel comfortable saying that I know like Nick Sirianni and this Eagles offense better than like 99% of people in this industry have paid very close attention to it, watched all the press conferences, watched all the games uh, and like tracked the player usage in these games. And I did like the, I'm less concerned about than other people about like the Boston Scott Kenneth Gainwell thing. Cause a lot of it's been like Miles Sanders has a couple long runs and then Boston Scott comes in to spell him. Right. Or like Miles Sanders has 13 carries. Boston Scott has one. And then like the Eagles have a huge lead. So Boston Scott finishes with seven carries, Miles Sanders with 17 or something. Um, but it is like the Eagles come out way more aggressive through the air than most people realize. Like they threw 13 passes, their first drive against Houston this year. Um, like they just came out against this, you know, run funnel defense and threw the ball. And yet Jalen Hurts finished with like 25 or 28 pass attempts in that game because they were up by so much so quickly that then they turned to the ground. So they are a team that like second half, they slow down the pace. They keep the ball on the ground. Like every week on underdog parlays, I'm like hammering second half unders on Jalen Hurts pass attempts. I'm avoiding overs on Miles Sanders rush attempts because if they're up by too much and somebody else ends up coming in. Uh, so that is a concern for sure. And definitely less of a concern for Kansas City because they're a team. And, and I, uh, in the NFL edge, Mike pointed out, you know, that last week, Houston played the Cowboys close. So it's not like Kansas City is going to overlook this matchup. And then last week, Kansas City had this huge lead against Denver and kind of took their foot off the gas and let Denver come back. Right. So it is a very interesting spot there where you're like, what's the risk of Kansas City taking their foot off the gas? Definitely lower. And we know that they're going to pass the ball because they always do. Uh, Mahomes to Kelsey is just one that tends to go under owned in these ones where Kansas City has a, a high total and a high spread. Uh, but they tend to hit that ceiling. Right? I think it was a game against the Jets a couple of years ago where they were like 2% owned and both had over 30 points at halftime, you know? Um, and I could see something like that happening this week. Yeah, actually that, that context is really important. That you just mentioned it because it's a, it's a dual context that Houston really almost pulled off a 17 point upset against Dallas last weekend. And the flip side, like I was, you know, watching that, that Kansas city Denver game with a lot on the line with a bunch of other people at, at a live final. And we were starting to think like, Oh, this game's like over. And and uh, Kansas City really let Denver back in a little bit more than I'm sure they they intended uh, or wanted. And that's actually a really good point because Kansas City could keep their foot on the, the pedal a little bit longer than we're expecting. And they have a 31 and, and three quarters yeah. uh, implied point total. And there's nothing that I, I believe there's nothing that uh, predicts a, a team's offensive performance like their implied point total. I think it's one of the best like predictors of, of quarterback scores and that actually could end up being lower owned than it should be because yeah. people are going to look and see a 14 point spread, but it might not be like if this game ends, you know, 32, 18, which is about the implied point totals. then yeah, yeah. Kansas city's got four touchdowns and then had another drive that ended in the, in the red zone. you right. With the field goal um, that could end up being a lot of points at, at very low ownership. And yeah, again, Travis Kelsey is one of the guys that's really been mentioned less and less um, as the season goes on, but you know, he's still the, the top tight end performer and getting those points when nobody else gets them at the tight end position, which happens sometimes, is, is potentially worthy of rostering. And, it's in potentially a $5 million dollar decision. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, and I, and I think that the, like, I, I think that this is a, a week where there's not another game. Like, if, if I'm giving up a game, if I'm giving up Vikings and Lions – where the two teams could push each other and it could be back and forth and like a 35 to 38 game, 
then I'm less likely to go to like the team with the blowout potential. But this week, there's not like another game where the two teams are going to be pushing each other, right? Like if, if the Chargers are doing well against Tennessee, then Tennessee's eventually having to pass and then they're not scoring points, which means that the Chargers are able to like take their foot off the gas deeper into the game. Or if it's staying close, that means it's like in that 20-ish point range and maybe barely cracks the low 30s. So like having this team that can go for 30 plus at halftime, uh, I think really stands out to me this week. Um, we're kind of skipping around here, but another, another interesting tight end is Dallas Goddard, um, who is, should be coming back this week. And people are always kind of scared when a guy is coming back from injury, although, you know, not the same matchup that Kelsey has. In fact, uh, Goddard put up his best game of the season against Houston earlier this year, eight catches for hundred yards and a touchdown, which uh, Kelsey could hit that by halftime in this spot. So um, yeah, but I, I think that like, if you're not going, like if Traylon Burks is out, then Chigo Conquo is interesting again. And um, other than that, like there's not really a cheap tight end Dulcich, I guess, against Arizona, that, that bad Arizona pass defense or uh, tight end defense. But outside of those two guys, there's nobody who I'm like, oh yeah, they can put up 20 plus on the cheaper ends of the price range. Um, And granted, like Evan Ingram did it last week, right? But you and I talked last week about maybe we're not playing Trevor Lawrence, but we really like Christian Kirk and Zay Jones because we know that the Titans are going to pass a lot. And as you said, we get rewarded for receptions on DraftKings. And so like same thinking could have gone to Evan Ingram, right? It was just, they were going to pass a lot and he got that volume to him, but it's not like he's going to go for 30 plus again this week. So that really does narrow things down. Like if Kelsey puts up 30 and Dulcich disappoints and Oconquo doesn't get a touchdown, all of a sudden, like most of the other tight ends have 12, 13 or fewer points. And Kelsey's sitting up here with 30. Uh, it's a big separator. And on a slate where there won't be a lot of 30 pointers, right? Like uh, Devontae Adams, and Josh Jacobs are playing the Patriots, really tough spot. AJ Brown's probably not getting a ton of volume. Amon Ross St. Brown is playing the Jets um, who shut down, Justin Jefferson shut down uh, Stephon Diggs twice. DeAndre Hopkins is playing Denver. C.D. Lamb never tops 23 points. Um, like that, that's the list, right? Keenan Allen hasn't topped 25 points in two years. Chris Godwin has one game over 19 points. At running back, uh, Austin Eckler is going to get a lot of receiving volume, but the Titans have allowed four touchdowns to running backs all season on the ground through the air. Uh, 22 teams have allowed 10 or more touchdowns to running backs, right? Titans have allowed four, which is tied for fewest in the NFL tied with the Patriots who are playing Josh Jacobs. So like if there's not a lot of 30 pointers on this slate and Mahomes goes for 30, Kelsey goes for 30. Yeah. I mean, I think they just end up being really valuable. And I think one of the things that ended up happening with me last week was like my, my roster that finished third in the game changer also finished like 110th or something like that in the slant out of 26,000 entries had a 2.5 point score from James Cook, you know, like it, and it was just like, well, I want to pay up at these other spots. So I'll save some salary at running back. And it, I, I expected Cook to give me like 13 to 15 points, right. Which is still a bad score for his price, but it was like, let me just open up salary elsewhere. It could be another week like that where like Zonovan Knight or Isaiah Pacheco or, you know, Jarek McKinnon obviously actually hit last week, Rashad White, uh, Dante Foreman, these guys who might get you 13, 15, 17, but don't get you, 25 like it ends up being okay because it allows you to get Derrick Henry, Travis Kelsey, Jamar Chase, Patrick Mahomes, um, however it gets put together. Right. And you've got like the 30 pointers on your roster where other people don't have them. Yeah, I think figuring out where the Chiefs get their points this week is going to be one of the keys to this. Yeah, like with, a, with a almost 32 implied point total. Like if it's Kelsey, that's significant. Um, if it's, you know, yeah, if it's Isaiah Pacheco, I think that's that's going to be significant. Um, it's. Yeah, it's funny because they it was a two long touchdowns or uh, two receiving touchdowns for Derek McKinnon 
last week was a you know huge slate changer, but almost almost not because so few people had him. But it took points away from maybe places on the Chiefs you were expecting. Right. To go. Right. And yeah, if those go to Travis Kelsey this week, I, I think that's significant. Or you know, or if they go to Isaiah Pacheco, um, or if they stick with Jarek McKinnon, um, you know, that's that's going to be significant. Yeah, and like you mentioned, the at tight end, like we we think, oh, it's a ten game slate. And there's some ugliness to it, so there's only a, a pretty small pool of, of quarterbacks we're considering. But you get the same thing with tight ends; like everybody's got to play a tight end. Uh, there's only like 20 tight ends starting, and um, you know, and some of them are, are really not even worth considering. And then that's um, then if yeah, if you get a huge score from your tight end, that's that's going to be really significant. Um, you know, might might consider Gerald Everett, um, but I, you know, sounds like I'm a little bit higher on on the Chargers. Uh, and like you know, maybe Dalton Schultz as well. Um, or, you know, yeah, or, Schultz is always interesting. I mean, yeah, I mean, like somebody from the. It's hard on the Chargers, right? Like they ran eighty plays last week. Uh, Herbert threw fifty-one times, I think it was. Mike Williams had six targets. Josh Palmer had six targets. Like they, when you look through their box scores, it's weird because we think of them as a condensed offense because of how few big names they have. But like they spread the ball to 10 different guys, most games. And it's like all these targets bleed out to all these guys. And if Austin Eckler, like if Austin Eckler catches nine passes for 70 yards, but doesn't score two touchdowns, he's still only getting 23, 24, 25 points. And then that's taking away points from other guys, right? Like he's not valuable because he costs so much, but then that's 25 points that aren't going to other guys. Keenan Allen gets all these targets, but doesn't usually get upside. Um, and he's 6.8 K. So then you've got like Mike Williams, Josh Palmer, Gerald Everett, like they're kind of picking up scraps, five, six, seven targets, like might not end up being enough. And it's hard to go much more than 51 pass attempts. You're going to have lower play volume this week than they had. Last. They're going to run 80 plays this week. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's like, it's hard for me to see how you target the slate breakers on the chargers. They're, they're like the most spread out offense um, in terms of like actually getting ceiling. And so it almost feels like, it feels like you're going to like, it's that, like, I see it like this. Here's this clump of chargers players and builds, right? And you either get the players who jump over them or the players who like get bounced back this way to the back end of the standings. But like, I don't think that the chargers rosters, these players can be in first, but they're not going to be the reason somebody gets to first more than likely. Um, But they're going to be like, perform well. It's just like, do they perform well enough to win you a tournament? And are you taking away roster spots because of the salaries? You're taking away roster spots from guys who can win you the tournament, which doesn't mean that I'm right. So don't fully like listen to me with one ear, listen to me with one of your two rosters and not with the other one. But like, yeah, like that's just how I see this spot. And then it, it it's like, okay, Garrett Wilson's 6K and Garrett Wilson's playing the Lions. Like Garrett Wilson could literally be on 100% of my rosters this week. If I say there's not a lot of 30 pointers available, Here's Garrett Wilson. Oh, maybe he'll be high owned. I don't care, right? If I have him on 100% of my rosters, I'm over the field. Um, if he's a guy you had to have, right? And that's taking up a roster spot. And then like Jamar Chase, Kelsey, these guys who can get 30 points are taking up roster spots. So like the Chargers just become a lower priority for me uh, with that type of thinking. Whereas like if the salary were left over, I'd have them, but I won't have the salary left over for them because they're kind of expensive and I'm prioritizing other guys. So um, I don't know if that all makes sense, but that's just how I'm seeing that, that offense as a whole. Yeah, just mentioning Garrett Wilson, I'm shocked he's still six thousand on DraftKings. He's seventy eight hundred on FanDuel. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, I guess I mean it's up a hundred from last week because he just didn't have a monster week. We still had you know seven targets. He played the Bills, you know, like and the the Dolphins. The Dolphins have Tyree Kill and Tua and Jalen Waddle, and they're implied to score. Like their their team prop 
is 16 and a half points this week against the Bills. Like that's how good the Bills defense is when they're healthy and like, and yeah, Garrett Wilson had like a down game. And like you said, he's, he's, uh, what is that? 15? No, he's 7,800 is like a higher percentage of the salary cap on, uh, it's 13% of the salary cap on FanDuel versus like 12% of the salary cap on DraftKings. And he's more valuable on DraftKings because of the PPR scoring. And DraftKings, usually players are priced higher against the salary cap. So it's crazy that he, like, he is such a huge value at 6K. And I don't think he's going to, like, he's going to be maybe 20. What, what, is, what are your guys' ownership projections showing him at right now? Uh, yeah, 20% ownership, just second behind Chris Moore. Yeah, um, okay. Like, but, like, not, not like Jamal Williams starting running back for the Lions ownership, right? It's not like... Oh, he's 35 or 40% owned, which is really what he should be. Um, he's a he's a 7K wide receiver playing the Lions, um, priced at 6K, right? It just that's a spot that becomes an emphasis for me. And it's one of those spots where it's like, well, my roster will be different enough in other places. I don't have to worry about ownership there. Um, again, it's Thursday, right? So maybe I'll maybe I'll shift off that and be at like 50% Garrett Wilson, but um but by this point in the week, I generally, like, I think last week on this show, I said I'd be 60% Burrow and Deshaun Watson in large field. And I ended up at like 40%, right? So those things change a little bit, but um, not significantly. Like I'll definitely be super heavy on Garrett Wilson this week. Yeah. He put up, I think, 78 yards and didn't score a touchdown, but it was raining. It was against the Bills defense. And I think the Jets were playing with their backup quarterback, um, you know, for some portion of the game. So uh, yeah, I, I think Garrett Wilson yeah, has been underpriced on, DraftKings. He's going to go end the season having been the most underpriced guy on DraftKings. Yeah, yeah. Get a week out. Yeah. Um, one game we just didn't mention at all, and I, I think we should touch on it uh, is New Orleans and and Atlanta. Funny, um, I, I when you said that, I was like, I'm basically going to say New Orleans, Atlanta. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we do have we have Chris Olave and, and Alvin Kamara as two of the higher owned uh, players on on DraftKings. Interesting. Um, and then also the quarterback for Atlanta is someone I'll admit I I know nothing. I mean, other than he's a third round draft pick, um, you know, he's, he's stepping in for Marcus Mariota. Uh, do you have any thoughts on the game? I, do you know anything about the Atlanta quarterback? <laughs> no, I mean, he's he similar to Mariota. He can run the ball. Um, he's not going to be he's not he's not going to light things on fire passing the ball. Arthur Smith isn't going to change like his fundamental approach to trying to win the game with Desmond Ritter under center. If anything, he's going to try to go a little bit more run heavy ball control. Um, so I would put it like his scoring range in basically the same exact range as Marcus Mariota's, which has been like occasional 13 pointers, but mostly like 15, 16 points with a random spike to like 23, 24 points Um, with the caveat that like it's his first game. Right. So he could end up being overwhelmed by the NFL landscape, or maybe he's like really sharp and on a high and has like a a high flight game, but like over time, those would be his scoring ranges. Um, Interestingly, Chris Alave, right. Our perception of him was built when Jameis Winston was under center he had this 26.7 point game against Carolina. That's his best game of the season, right? He went 24.2 against the Rams. Uh, he had another game where he had like a, uh, I think this was Arizona where he went seven for one Oh six. Uh, he had like a huge play at the end of the game when, when the saints were in comeback mode. Uh, maybe it wasn't that game, but there was a one game where he had like a huge play at the end of the game. Uh, yeah, it was that game. And then, um, and, and like, but generally speaking, he's been in kind of this 12 to 15 point range at, 6,500 with Andy Dalton as his quarterback. If he's pushing like the same ownership as Garrett Wilson, that's just, that's 
bizarre to me, right? Um, and this is why where I'm like, yeah, like the edge in just playing the best plays is often so strong, especially in single entry, uh, especially if you put those best plays together intelligently. Um, Camara is one that I'm like, I have no, I have no answer on on Camara. As in, like, what he had a he had a three touchdown game this year. He had a six touchdown game on Christmas Day, 2020. He hasn't scored any other touchdowns outside of those two games, you know. Like um, Mark Ingram's out, so maybe he gets a little more rushing volume. But yeah, I mean that's a that's a hard one for me, um, just because it's like he's been so. But he's had like a really bad run of matchups too, like really tough run defenses. Um, but yeah, I mean I I have a hard time paying sixty eight hundred for him. Like I keep looking at him and then being like, well. Like what, what are the chances he puts up 35, right? If he puts up 25, fine. What are the chances he puts up 35? And I'm like, God, what was I doing without Alvin Kamara this week? Um, maybe I'll regret saying that. Maybe it'll be like Joe Mixon's 50-point week. But like this offense doesn't score points, right? They had a, uh, I guess the last game against Atlanta was like surprisingly high scoring, wasn't it? But um, yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a hard one for me. Yeah, against Atlanta, it was 27 to 26 week one. I mean, that was just Jameis Winston under center. Um Cordero Patterson had 20, I think 20 plus carries in that game, which, you know, he hasn't been doing since then. Yeah. I don't know. You have any thoughts on, on Camara in this spot? I, I just don't know if he's the player that he was in the past and he got there in past years with efficiency. And then I, I remember reading one week season in, in weeks past and uh, or in, in seasons past and say, you know, you were saying that he doesn't get enough touches and I remember thinking, well, every one of his touches ends up in a touchdown. Yeah, so, <laughs> I was wrong on Camaro for like a full year. Oh. I was like, he only gets 16 touches, and then he's like, uh, right. but it doesn't seem like that kind of game environment, and he doesn't seem like that kind of player anymore. And the and the New Orleans offense is not the New Orleans offense from a few yeah. years ago. For yeah, the reason Michael Thomas. Yeah, um, and so there is. I get. I think if you took the name away from Alvin Kamara, I think you would see much less ownership. Um, yeah, not- my my nephew who just started playing DFS last year, he's 22, so he didn't follow the NFL like closely before that. He he was like, he asked me, why does everybody always play Alvin Kamara? It's <laughs> like yeah. it's like I don't get it, right? Like because for him, he's able to take the name off the jersey. Um, yeah, even when like even when Kamara was awesome, like most of his games, like I'm looking through his game logs right now. Uh, 2019, he had one game north of 30 points. Uh, 2018 he had three games north of 33.6 that's with two games north no three games north of 33.6 that's with Drew Brees at quarterback that's with like a healthy Michael Thomas like yeah it's just he's not a guy I'm scared to not play even 2017 his breakout rookie year it looks like one game above 32.2 DraftKings points, right? And even back then, like, I was always wrong on him because he always went for 30, 28, 30 points. But, like, he was still priced high, right? He never buried me. Like, he buried me, like, twice for not playing him. There were a lot of times where he had a score where I'm like, oh, that would have been nice to have. Um, but in this offense, at this point in his career, yeah, I don't, like, he, he. you look at him, he's, like, one of the first guys you notice, but then it's like, am I really going to regret not having played him? The fact that we've said all this makes me feel like randomly I am going to regret not having played him, but I don't think I'll have him on my single entry. I might have him mixed in a little bit in large field, but um, yeah, I think I'll, I think I'll go different directions and and on tighter builds for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a strong argument, you know, Miles Sanders is looking at 
half the ownership is $300 cheaper, the Eagles have like four or five higher implied point total. Um, and you're potentially like if Jalen Hurts ends up being highly owned, Sanders. Is nice saying, leverage, yeah. Yeah, as a, as a leverage off of Hurts. All right, we're, we're a little bit over. Um, any any last thoughts on the week so far as of Thursday? No. Um, felt like we were – felt like we still had like 20 minutes left. Um, <laughs> uh, as always, fun to hop on and uh, chat with you, and I'm excited for your for your $5 million win this weekend. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Good half, <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, hopefully uh, – Hopefully it should be a good weekend. Uh, that'll do it for Solo Ship. We'll catch you guys next week.